0: Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone.
1: Presented by DogNation.com, this is
0: Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So on this show, I try to be as candid as I possibly can be, and I want to be very honest with you right now about something really fun going on around Georgia it's obviously been an incredibly busy time for UGA recruiting the opening up of the opportunity for visits the ending of the dead period has been as advertised as we predicted it would be kind of a crazy just uh, just a race of players trying to get on campuses Georgia trying to host as many as they can and the other schools that Georgia competes with in recruiting kind of doing the same thing there has just been a lot of that. Over the course of the last few days, in fact, and here's where the candor comes in, <laughs> there's almost been so much of it that it's a little bit difficult to chronicle on a show like this. To be completely honest with you, you know, you read like say Jeff Sintel at DogNation.com, and he does a lot of kind of blog style posts with regarding the hey, here's the update for today, June 4th, and here's who's coming in here, and you do the same thing for the previous days. You just kind of bullet point sort of story by story, name by name, go through all of this. And I think that's a really good way to cover all all of that news. A show like this is a little bit more of kind of a big picture type thing. We take the... the you know the, the preponderance of the news, and we try to distill it down to kind of what matters most. Here's the key takeaway. Here's kind of the big theme related to all this. And when you have so much news, and it's all happening so fast, sometimes kind of getting that big picture analysis of all of this is a little more difficult to do. So today, we're going to roll up our sleeves, try to do that. In fact. I'm going to break with protocol a little bit, just given the fact there is so much recruiting news. I'm actually going to bring on Jeff on today's show much earlier than I possibly than I usually would, because I think it's that kind of day. I think you want to hear him on this show. I guess as a way of setting all this up, though, let me give you what I think just very quickly here, kind of in no particular order. Let me give you kind of what I think are the big themes that I kind of see kind of emerging here kind of thoughts that I have, and I'm going to ask Jeff Sintel to put a little bit more of his own thoughts around this in a few minutes when he joins us to talk some UGA recruiting. When you look at some of the guys who are coming in and you know, have been in on their way in, I'm thinking about five-star safety Kamari Wilson. I'm thinking about four-star running back Branson Robinson, who's probably as impressive as any running back that Georgia's recruited, at least that I can tell, over the course of the last few years. Some of these guys are a little bit different than the normal recruiting process would seem to lead you to believe. I have become conditioned to expect an air of mystery around certain recruits, and I've become conditioned to assume that a lot of recruits were going to work really hard to kind of keep their cards close to the vest and protect that at at kind of every twist and turn, and they're just not going to look to reveal a lot of themselves throughout their process, and obviously that's a recruit's prerogative. He's certainly free to do that. Many of them choose to do that. However, in the case of Wilson, who's been you know photographed at UGA, in the case of Robinson, who's on his way here there as well, you don't really get the sense they're quite as – they don't seem to desire that level of mystery as much. I mean, Jeff's had a couple of great interviews with Branson Robinson, and Robinson in those interviews has made no secret about the fact that, yes, Georgia is his leader. Similarly for, for Wilson, you know, he, he's – been very willing to be connected to UG on social media. And he's also talked about other schools there as well. But some of the top prospects, some of the guys who who were on their way here this week or have been here at Georgia, they don't seem to be quite as willing to kind of conjure up that mystery around their recruitment. You're kind of left to wonder as a fan, what, is it really going to be this easy? Or, or are there you know bigger challenges in store as Georgia tries to win those recruitments? I, I think that's one of the things we're kind of watching there. I'm also kind of interested in this, and this is kind of where I guess I don't think of myself as a pessimistic person, but there is sort of a natural pessimism that kind of pops in from time to time. As I said before, maybe I'm greatly influenced by the history of Larry Munson and kind of the way that he used to view things. Maybe that kind of, you know, kind of covers and clouds the way that I sometimes view things there as well. And simultaneous, admittedly, to me being really excited about all the the visitors that Georgia is hosting, you can't help but notice when other Georgia recruits are visiting other places there as well. I think about, you know, Kojo and Twee and Oscar Delt both being in Alabama. You know, Christian Miller uh, saying some nice things there about Ohio State. Mikael Williams is kind of on his way around making, you know, his tour as, as you know, uh, prospects are going to do here when it comes to all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, part of me does, you know, kind of wonder here, well, as Georgia's making its pitch to all these guys, how hard are the other schools working to make that same pitch to to other players that Georgia's interested in? And when all this kind of shakes out, with official visits happening here right now, unofficial visits in some cases, guys taking an official vi- an unofficial visit, circling back around, and then taking another official visit on top of that you know, when the, when the dust settles and it's all said and done, who really does kind of emerge as having won this particular week, these couple of weekends here, this this month of June? Who ends up being the big winner in all of that? And I, I think that's still yet to be determined, and I'm hoping that Jeff Sintel can kind of shed some light on, on that. And I guess the final thing that kind of jumps out at me, and you saw, you know, Big Bear Alexander a moment ago on the screen there, you know, it certainly seems like you're going to read more about this the pages of uh, dognation.com that Georgia has once again made a nice impression on Alexander. Alexander, you know, seems to enjoy the idea of following in the footsteps with with Jordan Davis. Uh, I should say following in the footsteps of Jordan Davis. You know, there at UGA. Boy, this is one of those that just seems like a really interesting recruitment, right? I mean, Georgia going into Texas, pulling out a five star, you know, top. You know, among the top players in the country, defensive tackle. There, position of need because Dave is about to lead the pro, leave the program. And yet you kind of wonder, well, how much will Tex a m make that push on him, especially now that Nick Williams is employed by the Aggies and around Bear Alexander at this defensive line spot? I think this is probably the most interesting year for defensive line recruiting that has existed since we've been doing Dog Nation daily. I'm dating this back to the 2015 season when we first started all this. I can't remember a time that George was more involved with more elite-level defensive linemen than they are right now so many so that you almost say, well, there's not room for everybody. So who are the true recruiting priorities when it comes to that? This is a fascinating time for UJ recruiting, and so different from a year ago when we we're kind of left to speculate. You know what was what and who was who and what George was doing behind the scenes when with these recruits. You don't have to speculate about this much as much anymore. Uh, these guys are on campus and many of them have chosen to be very public about their UG visit. Some of them have even been good enough to share kind of behind the scenes video of their experiencing these facilities for the first time and everything that goes along with that. It's a much different recruiting cycle a year ago than it was in 2021. I think, and I'm sure you do as well, a change for the better, but still a lot to unpack. So here on today's show with Jeff Sintel, we'll do our part to do that coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, there is some business to take care of. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Kroger, and glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref. Actually, we're, I think, preempted on The Ref today, but looking forward to be back with them on Monday, so that's really exciting. And, of course, podcasts, however you get to us on the podcast world, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever else. We're just really glad to have you as a part of the show. And a big thanks to our friends for Kroger for making it all possible. You know, one of the things I love about Kroger is not only does Kroger take care of its customers, and boy, they've been taking care of us now for a long time, especially over the course of the last year and a half with everything we've been through. Kroger was there for us every step of the way. But in addition to taking care of those who shop at Kroger each and every day, Kroger also takes great care of the folks who work in their stores helping provide uh care for customers and if you want to find out just how true this is then take that next step to explore the employment opportunities that Kroger has available right now. They've got several positions at almost all their stores here offering more than just a paycheck. I'm talking about a total rewards package, which should include tuition reimbursement potentially, associate discounts, and partner perks, so much more. This is a great benefits package to be a part of everything that's going on there uh, at Kroger. Tremendous uh, you know rewards for being a part of the employment experience there at Kroger. So make sure you check this out. It's jobs.kroger.com. That's the website, jobs.kroger.com. And you can find out about everything going on uh, in terms of Kroger really welcoming in that next generation of employees there and obviously doing a great job of taking care of those folks. I'm always really proud of the way that Kroger does that. All right, as I promised you, we'll get Jeff's intel here in a moment. Before that, though, let me uh, take care of some other business here with the dogs on the field right now, the current roster as we go around the doghouse. And There is one thing that I think that Georgia fans themselves are saying right now that's a little bit different and maybe puts the UGA fan at odds with some of the national media in the aftermath of what happened with Rick Gilbert and Darian Kendrick both announcing they were transferring to Georgia here this week. There's a tendency now among the media, and listen, there's always going to be a need for content, always going to be a need for takes and things along those lines, and the truth is I'm really no different, I guess. But the, the immediate response to this from certain you know, national rider types, I think it's probably you know, fairly well encapsulated with what Brandon Marcello wrote at 247sports.com, but the arrival of the Gilberts, the arrival of the Kendricks, and everything else that Georgia's done here this offseason, that it maybe puts more additional pressure on Georgia to win a national championship right now. Let me read you what Brandon Marcello says about this at 247sports.com. He says, no more quarterback controversies, no concerns with depth, no more excuses, Marcello writes. It's time for Georgia to beat Alabama. It's time to lift a couple of trophies. It's time to win a national championship. That Brandon Marcello writing for 247sports.com. And the general feeling of this, I don't disagree with. I mean, look, it was going to be time for all that kind of stuff, whether George brought in Gilbert or Kendrick or not, right? I mean, that, that was going to be true no matter what. So it's not wildly different now in terms of expectations because Georgia has done this. But the one sentiment that I think that Marcelo probably correctly arrives at is, is that if you talked about Georgia in the preseason or, you know, the kind of the pre-spring world and, you know, kind of the start of the offseason when the calendar year began in 2021 – I think one of the things you would say is, well, Georgia should be a national championship contender, but how good is this defensive secondary? Is, is there Are there too many concerns at cornerback on the heels of losing the Eric Stokes and the Tyson Campbells and the DJ Daniel and the, and the guys who are not here anymore? You want to count Mark Webb in that there as well. Are there too many concerns there for this to be a viable national championship contender? And it should not be discounted. The aggressive way in which Georgia has met that need, bringing in Tyke Smith, who played at an All-American level a year ago at West Virginia, You're know, bringing in now a Darian Kendrick, who has played an All-Conference level at Clemson and potentially a first-round pick level when it comes to uh, next year's NFL draft. But all of a sudden now you have taken what was potentially a debilitating Question mark that would hold Georgia back from winning a national championship, and you've essentially eliminated that as a weakness, and that should not be discounted. And that does, I think, make Georgia more of a viable national championship contender. The one thing we've always kind of pushed back on is the idea of it's national championship or bust. We don't believe in the notion of bust right now for Georgia because you know those opposing fans or opposing programs, rivals to UGA, the idea that somehow Georgia is going to disappear from the national stage this year, whether it wins a national championship or not. That's wishful thinking. That's just simply not going to happen. However, the big disagreement that seems to exist amongst some fans and national media types like Marcelo, there for 24 7 sports, is the idea of, well, Georgia's got it all figured out. There's zero reason why Georgia shouldn't win a national championship. Believe it or not, some Georgia fans, and this is a little bit opposite of what you might think. Some Georgia fans have a little more skepticism about their own team's roster than some of the folks in the national media. And one of the things that commonly comes up, it has been an issue on this show this week. It was in our comment section last night when we got together with the rest of the Dog Nation team to do cover four live. One of the things that has come up a few times in the midst of all that is, I don't know, B.A., I, I love the idea of adding a Rick Gilbert, and I'm excited about what he's going to be able to do alongside the other offensive weapons that exist for this program, and J.T. Gaines, a quarterback, what about that offensive line situation you know it's like offensive line was already a source of some concern for some fans before but now that the defensive secondary has been addressed as emphatically as it is it's like an even bigger spotlight is put on now with the fact that georgia has at least one unsettled starting position along its offensive line may have more than one ahead of what could be a really good year and a special year for the georgia offense There is a, I don't don't believe it's an illegitimate thought, but there are a lot of thoughts among fans of, boy, you better hope your offensive line's, you know, fully taken care of. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to exploit all of this offensive talent that you have. And I think that's really interesting in the way that kind of puts some Georgia fans at odds with national media type, who kind of take a more overarching global view of the Georgia roster and say, yep, that's it. That's a team that's ready to win the national championship. Whereas the Georgia fan himself, who obviously has an emotional tie to this and wants that to be true, says... No, let me see what happens with my offensive line first. Let me see if Warren Erickson does truly emerge as a capable center. And that that seems to be where all this is heading. Let me see which position Jamari Salyer starts at. Is it at the left guard spot and one of the other guys, be it Xavier Truss, Broderick Jones, Amarius Mims, they emerge at left tackle? Or is it Salyer playing the spot that he played a good bit last year at tackle and it's you know, someone like Tate Ratledge who gets the nod there at left guard? Let me see how all that plays out. And I have great respect for that. Here's the only thing I'll say about this, though, is that while I would clearly acknowledge, and I have said this many times, that issues on the offensive line could potentially get you beat against Clemson. And obviously, it's the kind of thing, if you're not at least good on the offensive line, that could hold you back from winning a national championship. The honest truth is, I'm probably not as concerned about this as maybe the average fan might be. Because I look at the potential of Ratledge at guard, or the potential of Truss, Mims, Jones at tackle, and I say, With all of those bodies, and as many top recruits as kind of exist in that conversation, the idea of Georgia finding five who can play, to me, still seems more likely than not. When it comes to the situation at left tackle, which admittedly is probably the biggest question here, I would argue that whatever happens at left tackle for Georgia will be no worse than whatever Jamari Salyer provides. And I'd say that last year Salyer played that spot at a pretty high level, not his NFL position. That's probably more guard. But when Salyer played tackle a year ago, I, I would I would say the results there were, were really good there in, in that regard. So to me, for 2021 in Georgia, along its offensive line at left tackle, you will be no worse than whatever Salyer provides. Because uh, obviously, if the other left tackle is worse than Salyer, then it stands obvious to me they will move Salyer to that position. Because I think based on what you saw at G-Day and based on what you heard during the spring, there is some confidence that Ratledge might be ready to go at guard, either as a starter this year or kind of that super sub role that many great Georgia offensive linemen have kind of been in before. So an interesting contrast there. Some Georgia fans asking more questions about their own team's offensive line than the national media seems to be asking right now. I'm obviously respectful of that feeling, but I think at the moment I'm probably a little bit more confident in George's ability to kind of figure all of that out. All right, great, great stuff to get going here today. Important recruiting conversation to kind of unpack right now. No better guy to do that with than our buddy Jeff Sintel. We'll get into all of that with him. And by the way, before we're done here today, the SEC has changed its uh, interconference transfer rule. We will address that on the program. Also, big news involving a little bit of a musical chairs revolving door when it comes to SEC assistant coaches. We'll cover that on the show today. And we will give some great credit where it's due to two former Georgia Bulldogs who got some very good news here this week. So we will cover all of that on the program with you here today. So glad to have you with us. It's Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. But for now, let's talk some recruiting on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider I will say hello to Jeff Sintel and we're gonna I guess keep it on this side here today I will say hello to uh Jeff Sintel and uh great to have him with us on the road assisted by AAA here today uh Jeff I I said this before you joined us that it's been an amazing week of UGA recruiting news It's, it's flying fast and furious And yet, it's almost, for a show like this, we kind of go big picture and kind of try to encapsulate it and give you the key bullet points and the overarching themes. In one respect, it's almost like a little bit of a challenging thing to be able to do, and so that's one of the reasons why I'm kind of glad to have you with us here today. So let me start big picture with you. You can take it wherever you want to go. When you look at what has happened over the course of the last few days, when you look at what's going to happen in the days to come, what is your... Big picture takeaway of the lifting of the dead period thus far for UGA.
1: Good uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, It's funny. uh, It's funny. uh, uh, There's a lot of things going through my mind when you ask that question. First of all, I think Kirby Smart might be the most photographed human being on the planet over the last three days. Um, he's taking more selfies than the Adams family at a historic baseball ballpark, man. I, I, I tell you, there's a, there's a lot of Kirby floating around social media. You hear other fan bases, uh, chirping about, uh, how in the world, uh, he gets the opportunity to take so many pictures in a day. Um, I think I'm going to zoom in on this weekend, Brandon, because I'm hesitant to say, you know, I mean, here's a quick hot shot take, as you could say. Georgia's offensive firepower, Georgia's offensive skill positions uh, won't be good in 2023, 2024, 2025 unless this class is an offensive home run. And it would be largely because of the skill guys that are in town this weekend. Gunnar Stockton, Oscar Delp, Tojo uh Branson Robinson, uh, Denialin Morissette, uh, Addison Nichols. Now, I think George is never going to match its offensive line recruiting in the last three or four years, much less ever. But I think the skill positions really need it. When you can add a, a – five, a, well, he's no longer a five, but you can add a top-five quarterback in Gunner, a top-five quarterback in uh, – a top-five running back in Branson Robinson, who's in town this weekend from Mississippi. Uh, out of the eight officials, you got the nation's number two tight end. I think Kojo Antwi is the nation's number 13 receiver. Uh, Morissette is a guy that has a strong skill set that will remind a lot of folks maybe of a maybe a more polished Karis Jackson coming out of high school. Um, you know, I think for Georgia to be all it wants to be offensively in this class and in the future, I think these visits have to go well, especially because Brandon, these guys have been inundated for Oscar Delp for for one thing. There, I mean, he's visited Alabama. He's visited Clemson, and he's visited Georgia all in the span of this week, and he's seen every toy, every photo shoot thrown at him. And for for Georgia's facilities to be really special and eye-catching to Delp this weekend, that would be saying something.
0: So I think that's a great place to start, and I'm glad you described that the way that you did. And in the person of Kojo Antwi for a moment here, you know, Kojo is the exact kind of recruit with the exact kind of recruiting story that probably gives someone like me who tries to follow this stuff closely a little bit of angst, because on the one hand, the underlying fundamentals for, Ant- for, for Antwi and Georgia seem to be well-founded, right? He's good friends with guys who you think might be going to Georgia. He's good friends with guys, at least my understanding of it is, good friends with guys who are already committed to UGA, including his relationship with Gunnar Stockton. So so it seems like those tentacles that would kind of connect Antwee to Georgia are, are pretty substantial, you know, on the other hand, you know, there's been the Ohio State rumors. There's been the Texas A&M rumors. There's the, you know, visit to Alabama here this week for Antwee that drew some praise from him. You know, uh, he's one of those guys that even though all the reasons why he should pick Georgia seem to be a fairly long list, there's just always a lot of chatter about Antwee and other schools. So, I guess my question for that Georgia fan who wonders about Kojo here, I mean, how worried should a Georgia fan be about about the pull from other schools for Kojo Antwi?
1: Brandon, I think you'll worry about it. Uh, I must be honest here, man. I think you'll worry about it until the moment where Georgia's offensive reputation is not right up there with Alabama and Ohio State. And, and I think you'll worry about it for that long. And I think this season will go a long way to proving that. Now, he wants to make his decision on July the 4th, July the 5th. And good for him because he wants to do it to honor his mother on her birthday. Um, but, you know, Georgia's, hey, won't be in the barn about, hey, are they caught up to Alabama and, and Ohio State yet? You know, I think Alabama could complicate things depending on how much Alabama wants him. Uh, I know Kojo Antwi is a really smart guy, and he can certainly see what, what Alabama just added in the, uh, in the 2021 cycle. I think they got four receivers that are all just as highly rated as him, if not higher. Um, they also brought in another transfer that thinks he, he's going to be one and done for the league. Um, so I guess sentimentality, relationships, location uh, are the things that would probably be the biggest pulls for Georgia right now, and, and besides being field like he's prioritized. But I think Georgia's going to need to show Kojo Entwee a little more than that I mean, if we wanted to talk about pull and location and sentimentality, then Texas A&M is really a school that checks all those boxes for Kojo Antwi as well. Um, they've got an offensive reputation under Jim Jimbo Fisher as well. Uh, he's got family in Texas A&M, and he was kind of warming uh, to Texas A&M until a lot of factors started bouncing in Georgia's favor. Um, I, it's funny, Brandon, as I, as I go through this and roll through the mental Rolodex of all the things I want to categorize and say, I think you're going to Brandon. You're going to end up shaking your fist, maybe at Texas A&M, with more consternation this year than in any certain cycle. I think they've got, I think they've got some real estate in your worry center of your brain for sure. Georgia 2020 recruits.
0: Yeah, and I'm going to talk more about that over the course of our conversation, obviously. But let me say one more thing on this topic, and you tell me if my read on this is correct. You know, there's a very good chance that I think that Oscar Delp and Kojo Antwi both go to Georgia, but I kind of see the Antwi Delp situation different. As a for instance, you know. Opposing fan message boards talk about Delp all the time, especially in light of you know Gilbert choosing UGA. There was some you know kind of thought among rival fans that made it easier to get Delp away from Georgia for the class of 2022. I think that's an erroneous assumption, but that's an assumption that some fans make. The point I'm making though here is is that I've always kind of assumed that Delp probably did have a fairly strong emotional tie to Georgia. At least, at least that's the read I've gotten in the situation from previous interviews that you've done with him that would make it really, really hard to have any other school you know, pull him away, no matter how deep Georgia might be, the tight end position. I guess I don't quite get that same level of vibe from Antwi, and that's not me saying I don't think he's coming to Georgia, but Antwi kind of reminds me a little bit of some of the Metro Atlanta prospects we've talked about before who are obviously considering Georgia because most elite players in the country do, and yet it almost seems like Georgia doesn't necessarily have – the home court advantage in this recruitment, other than the fact that he's friends with Stockton and things like that, is that an accurate read of this situation?
1: Yeah, I, I think he jumped into a lot of a lot of stuff right there. Uh, you know, I think George has been in a great spot with Delp for a while. I think Todd Hartley has recruited him like he's the next Travis Kelce, uh, basically going back to when he blew up in the middle of his in the early portion of his junior year. Um, daily messages. Good communication, strong communication. Um, you know, recruiting the family as well. I think Georgia's worry center for Delp is smaller. Uh, Clemson, you got to watch Clemson because there's a family tie there uh, as well. They have got all the stuff, but you know, Brandon, I don't know if you if you notice this, but when you think tight ends and tight end usage, you know, besides the draft pick here or there, uh, you know, Alabama doesn't really have a lot more production numbers on its tight ends compared to Georgia, right? Um you know, they have draft picks, no don't get me wrong, but a lot of those guys are, are basically making the league and being drafted highly based on measurables and then key games, whereas Clemson can't say either for tight end. I mean I'd be hard pressed for many college football fans to name me five Clemson tight ends over the last over the last five or six years. Um, especially ones that were productive in the mighty A C C but uh, you know, I think Antwee is a guy that you know Brennan, I know I know I know you were very well and I think you love to worry about receivers and you love to worry about missing piece receivers for Georgia and those are certainly quantifiable takes there for for Kojo Antwee um and I, I just think there's a mix of a mix of things with there with him that's going to make it um I want to say it's going to make it difficult for Georgia especially within his timeline uh, you want players like Antwee to, that are in Georgia's backyard to already be leaning towards Georgia in their junior year that wasn't really the case. Jojo was kind of a you know a, a guy that really took off in his junior year as well but um, you want location and sentimentality to be the closing deals and not the anchor, the anchor things about why a guy like Kojo Antwee decides he needs to go play at Georgia.
0: It's on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Centel here today. You think about AAA for its legendary roadside assistance. My family, we travel a lot during the summer. I'm thankful to have AAA with me wherever I go, but I also want you to think about AAA when it comes to auto insurance there as well, because that obviously matters, and AAA can really save you money. In fact, my recommendation to you is to switch and save today. Those who do save, on average, $529. Very easy to get in touch with. It's AAA.com slash auto insurance. That's AAA.com slash auto insurance. Check them out. I think you'll be very pleased with what you see. And Of course, it's great to have AAA delivering on the road with Jeff Sintel here to us today on Dog Nation Daily. So you mentioned Texas A&M a moment ago and kind of the the spot they'll occupy in folks' mind as this 2022 class continues to unfold. And my assumption is that's a reference to Bear Alexander, who has been in Athens this week. I guess had a little bit of a travel difficulty there for a while, but eventually makes his way to Athens, gets a chance to have a great visit University of Georgia. One of these examples of why following modern college football recruiting is really fun. You actually get a lot of photographic evidence of this because of smartphones, things like that that you just wouldn't have been able to get in the past. And so the sense that you get here is, well, Alexander really had a good time and obviously feels a bond to Jordan Davis, who clearly UGA fans hope that Alexander is the heir apparent to Jordan Davis here at the University of Georgia related to all of this. Jeff, this is just one of those and... You're not going to be able to tell me anything on this. I think the Alexander recruitment is so important for Georgia, both because he's a really good player and also just because he comes across as a great dude. I just love to have him at UGA. This is such a interesting recruiting battle. Georgia going on the road. Yeah, there you go. Nice photo of uh, Davis and Alexander together. Uh, two big behemoths. Uh, you love seeing them side-by-side side like that, for those of you watching on video anyway. But the point here, though, is... is I'm just not going to take yes for an answer on this until it's actually ink on paper, letter of intent, filed away, wherever these things go. And it's not because I think Big Bear's going to Texas A&M. I I truly don't. I have no reason to think that anyway. This, for me, is all about the, the nature of what George is trying to do here. This would be as aggressive and as swing for the fences as anything that Smart has done since he's been UGA coach. To go into hostile territory like the state of Texas to pull a player like bear Alexander out, given the fact that, you know, Texas A and M has its sea legs under it just a bit. And they're kind of, you know, building their program up. They've done well in recruiting to, to, to lose out on a player like Alexander to Georgia would just be as big a flex from Kirby as you've seen. And so I'm going to keep watching this one closely every step of the way. What did this week mean for Georgia and its attempt to do what I just described?
1: So Brandon, um, yeah, I think Big Bear, um, you know, I got to spend some time with him this week. Uh, man, there's just there's something really different, and at the core of it, really good about that dude and, and kind of where his path is right now. Uh, Brennan, I don't know if I've ever – and it's funny because, you know, you talk about a major flex. Uh, Bear's kind of attitude is it's, – it's almost – He's very humble that Georgia wants a player like him and the stuff with Jordan Davis and passing on that 99. Uh, I think we, I want your, your audience this morning to hear this, but like, you know, this is before the story will go up on dog nation.com today, but uh, he almost feels like, like, like there's a story I want to share that I think sums it up nicely. So he's in the locker room taking a bunch of pictures and, Normally everybody is, like, you know, looking hype and, you know, really looking, trying to look tough, like they're yelling. And, you know, Bear was growling a couple of times in those photos. But there was a moment where he, like, looked at his hands. He looked around the locker room. He he looked at the 99 jersey. And, and he almost seemed reverential uh, about the things in his life that are, that are just falling in place for him. And I know Georgia fans are going to worry because this is the type of player to worry about. And no matter how many well-detailed uh, uh, items I can I can pop up right now to make Dog Nation feel a little bit better about Bear going forward, I just think there's so many of them. But they're different. You know, like, so Texas A&M has some coaches. They have some good defensive line coaches. They have some good defensive coaches. They got Nick Williams now. But I, I think at the most, Texas A&M has like four or five ways to, to catch Bear's attention or to to touch his mind and to touch his heart. I think Georgia has 25 people like that. I, I really do. I think bear went down to Georgia, uh, not trying to sound like Charlie Daniels. I starting to say that whatever.
0: feels like a parody song that we need to write. Uh, <laughs> I could get behind a little bit of that. The bear went down yeah. to Georgia. <laughs> the
1: bear went down to Georgia. And, um, looking for know, a title man, to steal. Was, you're going to be the, uh, you, <laughs> yeah, I like that. Looking for a Florida, Florida quarterback. Um, so, I mean, he, he, he did his homework, man. He talked to Jordan Davis. He talked to uh, Devontae Wyatt. And he's like, man, I'm loving Georgia. Is this really real? Like, I just, like this is his first time back on campus. And I, we talked about, like, with Jeremiah Alexander on our show last week or last night where I think Clemson won the pandemic recruiting for, for Jeremiah Alexander. Well, I think Georgia – won the pandemic recruiting for Barry Alexander okay. and they won it last fall as well and that's why he committed on national signing day for the for the 2021 class and not just his class he speaks like he can't wait to get to Georgia he knows how many months more it will be um and, and the thing that went through his mind was just how how blessed and lucky and humbled he is to get the chance to be a Georgia Bulldog. I mean, loved everything about the visit, loved everything about the place. But um really, with Georgia and Bear, you know, that story we shared last weekend from Dayon Bowie where he basically said, you know, Bear's acting like the leader of the class. He's getting guys involved in the group chat. He's getting guys in there for weekly meetings so they can talk and connect and bond. But there's not a lot of flip targets Georgia has had in recent years that were doing things like that. He's doing things like that that, that really certainly walks and talks and sounds like the leader of the class.
0: I think that's a really good point, Jeff, and that is an important addition to this conversation, and I think that should be included in the record. I'm glad you said it. Let me kind of follow up on that. With You can keep this kind of brief if you want to, but I said to our audience before you came on that I think this is the most interesting crop of defensive line recruits that we've ever talked about in any one cycle for Georgia, Jeff. There are some years where there's just not you know a lot of big time defensive line names out there because this is a you know a, a position where great talent is pretty rare. This happens to be one of those years where there are a lot, and obviously Georgia's not the only one interested in these guys. You know, you've seen Mikael Williams at Georgia this week, but you've also seen like Kristen Miller at Ohio State and clearly the Buckeyes have a long history of being very good at defensive line recruiting their names like Walter Nolan we've talked about in the past and Travis Shaw we talked about in the past can you just kind of and plus there's you know already obviously you know you know names in the fold here for Georgia in its own you know 2022 class can you just kind of give me kind of a brief synopsis of the priorities for Georgia right now when it comes to to defensive line recruiting the names to know at the exclusion of some others
1: Yeah. So, um, and there's a lot of stuff to get through there, Brandon. I think the number one, probably uh, number one thing on the to-do list is to make sure they retain Bears' commitment. I think that's very important. Um, People are going to worry about how much elbow grease is necessary for that one, but they're going to hope the Georgia staff uh, is going to think like they're going to use as much elbow grease that's inside the storage closets of those eighty that new eighty million dollar facility. Uh, I think, I think Travis Shaw out of North Carolina is a guy that's gotten the full court press and would certainly be wanted and needed in the class. Uh, I do, I do love Mikel Williams in there as well as a, um, as a guy that Georgia definitely has to sign. We're going to have a story about Mikel go up today as well about, you know, kind of how he feels after that first visit, uh, after that first return to Georgia visit. I think that went very well. I think that went smashingly well, actually for Georgia Um and then I want to bring up this name because this dude's name's not going to be mentioned at all in anybody's coverage over the weekend. Everybody's going to get, they're going to focus on what Branson's doing or what Gunner's doing. And the pictures with Kojo and Gunner and, and, and Oscar Delp and they're going to, they're going to drift into that. Oh, Danny Dennis Sutton, who has George in his final three with Alabama and Penn state out of Maryland. That's a number 70 overall prospect. He's coming in as well uh, this weekend. Uh, But the guy that's going to get lost in all of this is Aaron Bryant. And Aaron Bryant is kind of like Georgia's Jordan Davis. Look what we found. Uh, Prospect He's in Mississippi. He's only a three-star. I think he's number 436 overall in the country. But he shifted in the pandemic from offensive line to defensive line for his junior season, and he blew up. I mean, really, when Trey Scott first started talking to him, he was like, dude, how come I don't know you? How come we hadn't been talking to you earlier? I'm looking at your film and you got to be one of our guys. And Bryant has scheduled an official visit for the first weekend out of the gate because he felt a special connection there with Georgia. And I know folks are going to go, oh, wow. You know, let's say Georgia takes that thing all the way with Aaron Bryant. They're going to be like, well, Georgia missed out on somebody bigger to get Aaron Bryant. I don't think that's the case. I just think that shine has not been dropped on uh, Aaron Bryant's name with all the rankings, like these other guys have, because, you want to say a late bloomer? Well, he was a late position switch for his junior year, and um, Aaron Bryan is a very, a very faith-based Christian, big-time player. And listen to this, Brandon. I know people wonder about you know how hard's Georgia going after this kid. Well, I think the walk is in. I think I think the proof is in the the execution of his recruitment so far. He gets a first weekend official visit slot. There's a Bible verse in Romans brain, and it's at the top of his Twitter page. And Georgia created an edit. For Aaron Bryant, with that Bible verse in the background, in the forefront, along with a picture of him in a Georgia uniform, I, I don't think I don't think Georgia does that. Uh, even with all the time their digital designers had on their hands, I don't think Georgia does that for a guy that's way way down the board. I think they do that for a guy that they'd really love to have. And you see Christian Miller, who's, who's having a smashing two day visit, uh, unofficial visit uh, to Ohio State this month um you know tyree west the other defensive lineman that's really stinking good he just re- he just committed back in november uh down south georgia boy out of tiff county uh he actually visited fsu this weekend and tried on this week and tried on the jerseys as well i don't know how much dog nation caught a whiff of that but mm-hmm. you know georgia's going to be georgia's really going to be gangbusters with defensive line recruiting brandon there's about six or seven names i think georgia's probably going to end up with about four or five of them and they're probably going to. I don't know how you feel about this, but they might take a, they might they might take one less receiver. They might they they might take one less player to another position in order to get all the defensive linemen they possibly can in this class.
0: I want to ask you about running backs before we're done here today, but couldn't help but notice Kamari Wilson on campus there as as well. And you know this seems to be one where Wilson does not seem to keep his affection for UGA secret. Now he also kind of touts other schools from time to time as well, but. Uh, this is a guy who's been pretty open about his admiration for Georgia, And obviously, you know, UGS had great success at IMG Academy in the past. Uh, what do you make of Wilson being on campus this week? I'll
1: tell you what, we got to say this. We got to give the bees a little bit of, a little bit of props on this because this is a player that Georgia has way at the top of the board, the nation's number one safety. I think the top 15, top 14 overall recruit. he visited Georgia Tech this week, the same week he visited Georgia. And I don't know. I don't know if I've ever said that before about a five-star, um, especially at the top of the board for Georgia. So Georgia Tech at least got him in the house. Of course, Kamari Wilson also visited Auburn this week as well, and he visited Georgia on the first day he possibly could. And you know, there it's going to be interesting to see which weekend he shows up on his official visit to Georgia. There's a little bit of debate about whether he's coming in on both weekends. One is an unofficial. Uh, that IMG weekend uh, in, on the 18th of this month, or whether he might slip in this weekend uh, on an official as well. So, I mean, Kamari, and, and Brandon, I'm going to give you a, a good thing to worry about is if this conversation doesn't get you nervy-need enough as it is. Kamari uh, Wilson wears number 24. Malachi Starks wears number 24. They're both potential, you know, upper echelon, all SEC safeties at the minimum in georgia's defensive backfield should wilson choose georgia and malachi certainly has a special family connection to the number 24 it'd be very interesting to see who would wind up with 24 if both of those guys signed with georgia um and again i, I here's what's getting lost brandon i think i think connor you know kind of kicked the tires on this a little bit everybody's looking at receivers everybody's looking at big branson everybody's looking at the defensive line group um very quietly, brandon, there's the potential ceiling for Georgia to add, I think, five five five-stars in the class of 2022 at defensive back. And, you know, they've already got two. Uh, There's names like Keon Sab. There's names like uh, Kamari Wilson, who we've already mentioned that's out there, Dalen Everett as well, Uh, a couple other cornerbacks out there on the market as well. There's a chance that Georgia might bring in four five-stars, three, four, five five five-stars in the 2022 class. Brandon, that's never been done before at
0: Georgia. Let me just say this. Wilson going to Tech on his way to Georgia is a little bit like stopping through Phoenix City, Alabama, on your way to the Florida Gulf Coast. (laughs) There are just some things you do because that's what geography requires of you. That would be my suggestion there when it comes to a Kamari Wilson. But uh, I I guess we'll we'll give uh, Tech a little bit of credit for trying to host some visitors there. You mentioned Branson Robinson a moment ago. You know, this seems like... A pretty important week for Georgia's running back recruiting. I obviously love Robinson, both as a player and what you see from him off the field, too, including interviews that you've done with him. There's also Richard Young from the Class of 2023 as well. Uh, really a pretty pivotal time for running back recruiting, is it not?
1: Very pivotal. I think, if Brandon, if you were a 2023 recruit, uh, you got to mention the name Justice Haynes in there as well. Yeah, please do. Please um, do. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think I think Justice is as highly wanted as anybody in the 2023 class by Georgia, um, right up there with LT Overton. But um, the the I mean, this is this is kind of the pitch, man. You'll sit there and you'll go, okay, there's no way in the world that that James Cook and Zamir White will be around in 2022 or 2023. Um, Kenny McIntosh, Kendall Milton, those guys look like they'll also be in the league uh, by 2022, 2023. So. And then the the most important thing here, Brandon, is this is going to be very strong for Georgia on the trail this year. Might even be one of the closing arguments, which which allow them to to eventually one day one day sign uh, Branson Robinson. Is Lavace Carroll looks like he's a full time corner, uh, definitely out of need, definitely out of ability, um, and that means Georgia didn't sign a back at all in twenty twenty one. Brandon, I can't remember the last time Georgia didn't sign a single running back in any one given class. Uh, so that means that makes Georgia look even more appetizing for a, a, a big talent like Branson that's Robinson. I think he's, I think he's, I think he's very much the uh, the ideal running back recruit. And I, I know if you could go and order up, uh, I know you're a foodie. I know if you could order up everything exactly the way you want it, and order order up a next next member of RBU like you're a five year old child or whatever. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, Branson, I can't think of a box he doesn't check, man, except for maybe the fact he doesn't live in Atlanta and can't host everybody. Branson Robinson is a guy that when he's in the room, very accomplished all-American players start going, man, I need to do some speed work, or man, I need to do some more push-ups, or man, I need to start eating a lot of protein. He's a guy, much like Big Bear Alexander, that are foundational players for the class because you look to that potential Georgia class and you go, and this other school I really like. They don't have one dude like that, much less two or three. I think that's how important
0: Branson Robinson would be for Georgia. Totally agree. I'm a million percent sold on Robinson. I like him as much as anybody we've talked about. Hey, I've kept you very long. This may be the, as long as we've done in a long time here. But just to kind of close it out, anything you want to say that we didn't bring up, that you do think matters, what should we have talked about that we didn't?
1: I'm going to tell you this, and I hope it's going to come out, the umpteen million stories I'm going to write month and also uh and also probably i won't go to sleep until july the 4th maybe but um too much focus is right now on the 80 million georgia spent because those are details things like the twelve thousand dollar lockers or what's still to come where georgia will have uh a facility much like clemson where there would be 24 7 restaurants where you there's an app brandon where the players will have, where they can order food on the app and go pick it up in the facility. Wow. Um, and that's another level. It's all this stuff, and it's like that dangling keys, Brandon, in front of a baby that I want everybody to picture that, how you capture attention and you say, you know, Georgia's catching up with Bama, Georgia's catching up with Clemson. They're going to have as good of stuff as anybody else. This is what's going to get lost in all that copy and all those bullet points and everything else. The one thing I've heard over and over, and you're gonna see this reflected in a lot of copy and a lot of words on Dog Nation to come Dog Nation to come over the next few days, is the people at Georgia are the are the prizes that are shining the most right now this week. I mentioned Kirby Smart and the selfies, Scott Cochran, Dan Lanning, Dell McGee, those guys are doing an amazing job. But it's the people at Georgia, the the ladies in their recruiting office. I've heard Logan Reed's name name mentioned over and over again. And if you if you follow Georgia recruiting heavily and you don't know the names of like Katie Turner and Logan Reed and Angela Kirkpatrick yet and Cam Lemons, those guys right there, which is kind of the glue of the recruiting the recruiting machine at Georgia, people keep telling me, it's like, man, all that stuff's great, all that stuff's as good as anybody else. But the people at Georgia are still is what the deciding factor and why I want to go to school here.
0: I think that's really well said, Jeff, and I think that's an important, important point to bring up and a great way to close out our conversation. Thank you for being here on the road, assisted by AAA here today. I know you've got a lot of stuff planned at dognation.com, covering everything as it happens for UG recruiting. I appreciate that, and we will look forward to, of course, getting a chance to speak to you very soon as well.
1: All right, Brandon, everybody have a good weekend. And now Jeff Centel is going to get on the laptop for the next two or three days, man.
0: Take care, buddy. Good stuff. Thank you very much. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I obviously t- kept Jeff for a very long time. I appreciate his time. I think what he says there at the end is really, really important. I've said this before. We have a lot of small business owners that listen to our show each and every day, and what I'm about to say, they already know to be true. But if this is not your world, I think that you may not properly understand this in the, in the, in the context of what's going on with the recruiting. Uh, Jeff is a million percent right. The Georgia new building is incredibly nice, and I talked about this yesterday. I have a little bit of a taste for the finer things, so when you see, like, this really nice leather on the seats and the flashing lights on the walls, things like that, I mean, yeah, that, that kind of stuff works on me. But as Jeff just said there at the end of that conversation, ask any small business owner. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the nicest building to house your business or the best employees to help manage your business. You want nice building, better employees. The better small business owners, the smart small business owners, will take employees over commercial real estate any day of the week because if you have a nice building and no employees, eventually you won't be able to keep that building anymore. But if you have really good employees, no matter how bad your building is, eventually you can build as nice a building as you want. It's people who power organizations, not the buildings themselves necessarily, which is not to say that it's a bad thing to build buildings. It's just that people are more important. So the Georgia recruiting success, even though it's kind of a nice thing to be able to say, hey, come look at our new building, it is going to be the people who power that. In some cases, it's the assistant coaches and sort of the next level of fame, those you know analysts. But as Jeff said, it's also the recruiting staff. And make no mistake about this, these are areas in which Georgia can exploit without kind of bumping into NCAA rules. You can only have 10 assistant coaches, right? So there's a cap on how many you can have when it comes to the budget for your recruiting staff and all the ways in which they can kind of help maintain relationships with recruits there are fewer restrictions on stuff like that and so good programs like georgia are going to use that one more thing by the way from what jeff said there the idea that clemson has an app where the players can order food anytime they want almost like their own kind of personal in-house uber eats or something along those lines gotta tell you something that would be problematic for me both now and when i was in college i sort of picture me arriving in the program looking like will shipley and leaving the program looking like brian brzee if if, if i had a chance to order food anytime that i wanted to uh i'd be job of the hut by the time my uh, career was done i'm afraid uh but nonetheless uh, pretty interesting stuff there i've also got some interesting sec through stuff to give you there as well busy in the sec first though quick shout out to harris cherokee casino resort two hour drive from atlanta Whether you're talking about the original Harris-Cherokee Casino Resort property or the Harris-Cherokee Valley River. Sports gaming is open now. That goes along with the tremendous casino floor they already have there. Shopping, restaurant, spa, everything else. A really cool getaway. Tremendous golf, too. I've played Sequoia National before. That's a fun uh, golf course to play there as well. So, it's caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. You can become a Caesars Rewards member and get some great incentives for your travel but just book your travel to be a part of either the original harris cherokee casino resort or harris cherokee valley river that's a great summer getaway all right couple of sec through stories here so we we highlighted this as a possibility yesterday and it is now i think on its way to becoming true it's either officially true or it's about to be that brad davis is leaving arkansas as offensive line coach to take the same job at lsu after lsu had to move away from its offensive line coach related to I guess it still hasn't been fully ironed out exactly what went on there, but LSU moved away from its offensive line coach. You can kind of fill in the gaps as to why you think that might have happened, and hiring now Davis from Arkansas here. It's been reported by Bruce Feldman, Football Scoop, and others that's going to happen. And this is actually a little bit of a loss for Arkansas after really doing a good job of holding on to its assistant coaches in the past. You know, there was a big push by Texas to hire Barry Odom as defensive coordinator. Sam Pittman held on to him. Same thing probably for Kendall Bryles to a degree, although maybe less publicized. Once again, Arkansas was able to hold on to him for say, a second year. Losing Davis this late in the process is obviously not a good thing, especially given the fact that Arkansas brings back some experience with its offensive line. Yeah, you know, They bring back a lot of starters for this year, a lot of that on the lines of scrimmage. So a little bit of a coup for LSU to go get Davis being forced, I would appear to be anyway, forced to move away from its previous offensive line, James Craig. Um, I guess now there's some wondering, and I'm this is just like rampant speculation. I have no idea if this is true or not. But maybe Arkansas may now have to go after Randy Clements. You know, Clements was, you know, kind of outed not outed. He was ousted. I think that's the word I'm looking for. He was pushed out the door at Ole Miss as offensive line coach a few weeks ago and Maybe dissimilar to the situation at LSU, there doesn't seem to be any accusations of impropriety involving Clements leaving Ole Miss. That just seemed to be a conflict of personality with Lane Kiffin. So Clements is out there. If Arkansas wants to go after a guy that has some SEC experience, a guy who just most you know just recently was kind of moved out of a job, the opportunity to do that right there does exist. So we'll follow that. Kind of an interesting you know revolving door of SEC coaches there when it comes to Davis apparently leaving Arkansas to go take the now vacant offensive line coaching job at LSU. The SEC also passed a change to the intra-conference transfer rule yesterday, following up on the rest of the conference in college football, who've all now essentially done the same thing. So you can transfer within the SEC and have immediate eligibility, just like the one time transfer rule does create the opportunity for around the rest of college football there as well. I guess the one difference that's been described for the SEC rule in comparison to the larger NCAA rule is that if you do plan on transferring within the conference, you have to notify your current team by February 1st of your attend, intent to do that, that you can notify later on and go outside the conference. But this is one way the SEC is trying to get a little bit of, a, I guess, a little bit more of a stable, uh, you know, orderly process with this notification coming by February 1st. Obviously, that's closely tied to the end of the recruiting cycle. So, teams have a chance to manage for players who might be leaving there so that has happened listen Georgia's used that to its advantage by bringing in both Brandon Turnage and um, uh, uh, Rick Gilbert obviously generally speaking I would have been in favor of this rule remaining in place even if it hurt George with some of these additions I just think the lack of order here for college football in the SEC in particular is going to be a little bit of a problem in the future but obviously this is the way things are going and we will see how it plays out a couple other things I want to get to here really quickly I saw where David Payne Purdom who covers gambling for ESPN the other day kind of put out some SEC championship odds via William Hill the a nationally known sports book, uh, of course. I think William Hill is now owned by Caesars. I think is is that right? Either way, uh, William Hill uh, puts this out. David Payne Purdom shares it on Twitter. So you see all the odds here. You go down to the bottom. You know schools like Vanderbilt, seven hundred fifty to one. Arkansas, South Carolina, Mississippi State, all one hundred and fifty to one. But if you look at the top here for a moment, the best I can tell. There are only probably about what five teams that have any reasonable shot of winning the SEC. Bama is actually a minus money favorite, which means they are more likely to win the league than not. Georgia at thirteen to five, a little bit less than three to one there. And you get A and M at nine to one, LSU at twelve to one, and Florida at ten to one. A couple thoughts from me here, just very very quick. I don't see how you can make Florida a better favorite than LSU. I shouldn't say favorite, but give Florida more likely odds than LSU. I realize LSU plays in the more crowded SEC West, but we've also seen Florida being a point spread favorite on the road in some early look-ahead lines against LSU. That's side-by-side comparison for this upcoming year. I'll just simply take LSU ahead of Florida. Obviously, a lot of you have heard me talk about Texas a here this year. This is one of the things that I think can, that can sometimes be a little frustrating about gambling. I mean, just do the math in your head. Understanding that there are only 100 possible percentage points of chances to win the SEC to go around. Uh, you make Alabama more than a you know substantially more than a fifty percent chance of winning the SEC. Georgia very you know high odds to win the SEC there as well at three to one. And yet somehow adding all this up and listen I'm no mathematician but adding all of this up somehow you only have Texas A&M nine to one to win the SEC. I mean it's a lot more fun if you make the odds a little truer on A and M. And those to me are just not true odds given the fact that you've got Alabama and Georgia as odds on as they are. Uh, it seems like Texas A&M, you're getting a little shortchanged on the Aggies there at 9-1. to one. So, a little bit of a complaint from me. I mean, I do think there's a halfway interesting, I guess, arbitrage here. If you truly believe that it's an Alabama-Georgia SEC championship, if you don't give any credit to A&M whatsoever, any credit to Florida whatsoever, there's kind of an interesting arbitrage you could do with both Alabama and Georgia there to almost give yourself a a chance to to earn some free money, basically a free bet on Georgia to win the SEC if you wanted to put money on both sides of of the Alabama-Georgia thing there. But that's only if you don't believe in Florida or uh, A&M at all. And I think many of you probably don't. So maybe if you're a gambler, you can think about that a little bit. We'll make that your SEC through. Really quickly here, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of former Georgia greats here on Dog Nation, daily presented by Kroger. I was very happy to see Garrison Hurst, the former Georgia running back, and Chan Bailey, the former Georgia cornerback, who Bailey's already in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, both on the ballot for the College Football Hall of Fame. By the way, if you ever want to understand how weird the College Football Hall of Fame is, just understand the fact that Bailey is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame before he makes the College Football Hall of Fame, even though his pro football career obviously extended far beyond his college career. There is just a weirdness to the College Football Hall of Fame that I'll never quite understand, but I think it's really cool to see both Bailey and Hurst on this ballot. I know our buddy Mike Griffith's is going to write about this at dognation.com at some point in the days to come here too. It's always, I think, interesting to remind because we have an entire generation of our audience who watches us or listening listens to us that don't quite, they never saw Bailey play at Georgia, saw him play in the NFL, but never saw him play at Georgia. And then, you know, Garrison Hurst, who ended his Georgia career in 1992, there's an entire other you know generation of Georgia fans who didn't see Hurst play when he was at UGA. I think one of the cool things, and I do appreciate history, both the history that I was alive to experience and the history that happened before I was old enough to know what was going on, I think it's important when guys like this show up on ballots, it does give us a chance to say, boy, pay attention to how good this guy was. In the case of Bailey, I mean, I think one of the things that gets forgotten because he was such a great cornerback was, you know, go back to like, say, 1998. Bailey was probably Georgia's best offensive player that year there as well. Certainly, it's most reliable pass catching target, someone that you know, Quincy Carter loved throwing the ball too. So, Bailey was a very good two way player during his time at Georgia, that kind of bubble screen uh, that he's scored on so many times. A uh, tremendous player. And in the case of Garrison Hurst, some of y'all have heard me say before that I absolutely believe that Hurst got robbed when it comes to the 1992 Heisman Trophy. My, that's like my most homerish, you know, kind of even to this day, this thing, I, I still believe that that Hurst deserved that Heisman Trophy over Geno Toretta, the Miami quarterback who actually won the award and then Marshall Falk, the other you know very good player from that year who was a, I would say, better player in the NFL than he was there at college at San Diego State, but a very good and deserving player as in his own right. But to me, it was Hurst's year to win the award, and he did not quite get that. If you want to know more about what Hurst was as a player, the fact that Hurst, as starting running back at Georgia, his key backup in 1992 was Terrell Davis, who would go on in his own right to become a pro football Hall of Famer and yet played behind Garrison Hurst at UGA – That gives you an idea of what Hurst was doing in a Georgia uniform, because when Davis was playing in 92, he was playing well. His numbers are actually really good. It's just that uh, Hurst was playing the game at a Heisman Trophy level for Georgia there that year. So both Hurst and Bailey on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. Nice to see them getting some deserving attention. I'd love to see them both enshrined, obviously, the College Football Hall of Fame just down the road from us here in the city of Atlanta so we'll get ready to wrap up a busy show busy week for us here today and we'll do so with our Gatorade roll call including our golden shoe award and of course our buddy mad dog steps back up to the plate to win mad dogs won a lot of these all of them deserving i thought this was really funny he says when you find out a rick gilbert's transferring to georgia this is on twitter there's an angry dan mullen Uh, pointing and something about uh, a rick gilbert running with the lsu uniform on with the sign that says athens bound that's very funny uh good stuff for mad dog he gives you the hashtag golden shoe and i would say that's a very deserving golden shoe for our buddy mad dog today very good stuff there speaking of the lousy stinking gators let's close out this week by saying gator hater countdown 148 days from right now georgia back in jacksonville some revenge against those gators and boy won't that be a fun thing to see hope all of you have a great weekend you're enjoying your summer we'll see you back here on monday for dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll look forward to talking to you then everybody and on the podcast time now for our rs andrews podcast cool down of course it's uh brought to you by our friends at rs andrews they can be the ones you trust for your air conditioning your plumbing needs your electric needs they show up on time they do the work that's promised the price it's promised it's a great great thing and this time of year it's important to get that air conditioning to back up to factory fresh specs so please make sure you get that done here today i want to take a couple of comments and then we're gonna let you go because it has been a long show today i think it went 30 minutes with jeff all on his own let me mention a couple of these here first of all very nice mention on twitter by the honorable jd dog walker who said he enjoyed cover Four live last night Uh, and he encourages folks to subscribe to the dog nation youtube page to get all that great content let me just say this about cover Four Live: i really do enjoy doing that show because it's the most different from anything else we do here and there's a just a dynamic like throughout the week i'll interview jeff or i'll interview mike you know interview connor you know but when it's a one-on-one conversation like that, there's a different dynamic that's created when you have everybody together and obviously now four different people influencing the conversation on others. I mean, I guess the one thing I would hope for from Cover 4, and I don't know if this is going to happen or not, just given the fact that Mike lives in Athens and the rest of us live here in the Atlanta area, I'd like to see Cover 4 live, what it would be like if we were all in the same place at the same time. I think that'd be a really interesting vibe and environment because I do think that you'd get even more of the kind of crosstalk energy that you sometimes create there. But there's no doubt that Cover 4 is unlike anything else we do on Dog Nation on video because of the way that, that four people speaking with the same topic at once kind of influence all of that. And so I do really enjoy doing that show. And I like hearing the different things that you know, different people say, I mean, the one thing about the dog nation team in general is, is there are different perspectives that are shared through something like that. And hopefully you get a chance to hear that on dog nation daily. I mean, the one thing that, you know, I've always tried to do on the show is like, I'm not one of these guys who obviously have opinions and I enjoy expressing my opinion, but it's never been one of those things where I only want my viewpoint shared on this show. I bring on people from time to time who I assume are going to say things different than what I believe and I want the other side of that issue to be discussed and if that's a theme that I've felt like was worth exploring here on Dog Nation Daily then even more so on a show like Cover 4 where you know all this wide range of, of room for opinion can be shared there. So I'm happy to hear JD Dog Walker say that. Hope all of you are kind of enjoying what we're doing there on Cover 4 Live and Of course, your feedback on stuff like that's really good. I spent some time in the Dog Nation forum today and saw some folks kind of sharing about some of the stuff they like and some of the stuff they think would be different, you know, around Dog Nation. And I can tell you that I really enjoy that. It's one of the reasons why I kind of solicit your feedback here as part of our cool down because, you know, we obviously do this as what we hope is a a nice service for fans, you know, entertaining distraction, information on Georgia football, whatever else. And obviously – how all of this is landing with you does really matter to us. So uh, for those of you who have uh, taken time to share that, I I really appreciate that. DC Dog writes in onto the Dog Nation comment section to say, Hey, B.A., tell the truth. Are you hoping that Alabama runs the SEC West so that the SEC championship between Georgia and Alabama on December 4th would be the, quote, real national championship game? So I think this is interesting in a number of regards. On the one hand, even though Alabama is obviously in your mind more difficult to beat than most of the teams you could play, there is something about Georgia getting over that Alabama hump that would be really, really valuable, right? I mean, no Georgia fan is going to turn down an SEC championship if it comes against an LSU or a Texas A&M or one of these other teams that could win the division. No Georgia fan would say, "Oh, that's an illegitimate championship" if it doesn't come against Alabama, but. I believe now, for a number of years, there is a hunger and an appetite for Georgia fans to see their team beat Alabama, that almost exists somewhat separate and alongside the hunger, the, the the hunger and thirst to to win a national championship. Right? It's like ask Georgia fans the things they want to do. Oh, it's get back to the college football playoff. It's win a national championship. But there's also this thing of and to beat Alabama because that's obviously been such a thorn in Georgia's side and kind of a measuring stick by which Georgia is judged. So there's a way to win a national championship where you don't have to beat Alabama. Uh, You know, there's a pathway to do that where that wouldn't have to take place. But I think for Georgia fans, beating Bama in December is something they would kind of clearly like to do. So I don't don't disregard that as a question. I, I think there are a lot of Georgia fans who do feel that way. The SEC championship would be made better if you could beat the Crimson Tide there. And the same thing for the college football playoff. Also, here's something I've been kind of thinking about a little bit. And I have a week of vacation coming up later on in June. I think I'm going to mention this on one of those shows. There is a way in which this year's college football playoff, if Georgia wins the national championship, it could be different than any ever before. You know, last year, I think I talked a little bit on my vacation week about, hey, what if Georgia had to beat Alabama twice? Well, as it turned out, Georgia you know, didn't do that. I didn't beat them in October and didn't get the the privilege of playing them in December, but it could have happened that way. Well, what if this year, now think about this for a moment, Georgia plays Clemson week one, Georgia could very easily beat Clemson, Clemson then could very easily run the table after that, and as an ACC champion, there's a very good chance that Clemson would be included in the playoff, which would mean that Georgia might have the need to beat Clemson again. Well, simultaneous to that, let's say that Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game. We have seen Alabama make the playoff before when it was not an SEC champion. Now, the year they did that, they actually didn't qualify for the SEC championship game. Sometimes it's easier to make the playoff when you're not a division winner than it is to make the playoff as a runner-up. But last year, the committee opened the door for taking conference runner-ups, or runners-up, I guess is the, the right way to say that, however you say that, when they took Notre Dame into the playoff after Notre Dame lost the ACC title game in the one year that Notre Dame played in the conference championship game. So if you open the door for that with Alabama with Notre Dame a year ago, then that opportunity could exist for Alabama this year. What if Georgia's run to a national championship included the need to beat Clemson twice, once at the beginning of the season, once in the college football playoff, and then Alabama twice, once in the SEC championship game, and once uh, in a rematch in the college football playoff. That would be that'd be as Georgia as it gets right there. You know, Georgia, you know, getting back to playoff, trying to get over the hump, but forced to beat the same team uh and really the two best teams in in the last few years of college football to be forced to beat both Clemson and Alabama twice I don't think anything would sort of speak to to Georgia more so than having to do something like that so kind of an interesting thought exercise I guess something that could possibly happen there and I guess I'm sure we'll have more time to talk about that as the months roll on here for now though thank you for being with us for our S Andrews podcast cool down if you'd like to be a part of the cool down do what the folks that we read here on our show here today did. Hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, or when we post the podcast, the worldfamousdognation.com. Reach out to me there. Share your thoughts. I'll be happy to read them during, during this portion of the show. Also, hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.